Hello and welcome to Charity Chat. I'm your host, Bethany McClelland. In this episode, I speak with Emma Mamo, Head of Workplace Wellbeing at Mind. Emma spoke with me about the challenges that COVID-19 has raised and discussed a variety of different ways that we can help to improve our mental wellbeing at such an uncertain time. We chatted about different coping techniques and how the workplace can adapt to serve the wellbeing of its employees discussing the drawbacks of the pandemic, but also some of the positives which have come out of it. It's fantastic to see how much wellbeing in the workplace has progressed through the years, and it's great to have Emma's input on this. So here is Emma Mamo talking to me about workplace wellbeing and mental health. Emma Mamo, welcome to Charity Chat. Thank you so much for coming on. It's a pleasure to have you. Um, and just for the listeners, would it be okay if you kind of just gave us a bit of background to your your career really and how you kind of became head of workplace wellbeing at Mind? Very happy to. Um, so I did youth work and um, I just saw how important mental health was just because of the people, the young people's experiences of people I was working with, if they were struggling themselves, but if they're parents were struggling and I just thought it's such an important issue and I wanted to work in mental health and I came to work for Mind and really except for a short stint at Mencap the learning disability charity I have been at Mind and I've seen such change around mental health how it's discussed um, you know public attitudes improving more awareness during that time Um, and I focused on mental health in the workplace for the last six years but that was born from a campaign I was running when I was in the policy and campaigns team focused on employers and how we can support employers to uh, think about the mental health of their staff. And then it just kind of became more than a campaign. It was more, there was so much demand and need and interest. So I then set up a new team. And in that time, it's gone from five to 45 people. So a real indicator of how much mental health in the workplace has really accelerated and increased in profile. So that's kind of, um, yeah, youth work. Then it was about lobbying government and trying to influence policy policy and then doing some work with employers and then a massive explosion really. And that's amazing to see I think as well like looking back the the changes for you to look back and see like wow it's so important now and I do think a lot of other workplaces maybe where they weren't before are definitely getting on board with how important workplace well-being is. Our first question is kind of about the impact that you think COVID-19 has had on the workplace and how you and your colleagues at Mind have helped address this internally and how it helps you to carry out your mission. So it's been interesting, the pandemic from the very beginning, the mental health impact of it has been talked about alongside the obviously very real, very um, concerning impact it can have on our physical health. I mean, it cuts across all areas of well-being in terms of our mental health, our physical health, our financial well-being, our social well-being. But I think the impact on an individual, it's going to be different for everyone and it's going to be in multiple ways and it's probably going to be at different times. And I can reflect that a true roller coaster of emotions during this time. Um, and I think in terms of mental health, as I said, it's that the health anxiety of a pandemic it's the fact that it's limiting our access to the things that may keep us well and the social connection um, and, and, you know, being with our friends and family. There's then the very real impact of bereavement and trauma and equally that will be heightened for 
different people if you're working on the front line and experiencing you know the trauma of that job but also a loss of life amongst colleagues and so on so it's you know the impact on people hasn't you know it feels like no one has been untouched or unscathed during this time um mind wanted to really understand the impact of the pandemic on people's mental health so for a five-week period we did a survey of people um had sixteen thousand responses um you know 34 percent of people were describing their mental health as either poor or very poor 60 percent had said it got worse in the last two weeks around 40 percent had said i rarely felt relaxed during the last two weeks so you know really giving an indicator that the lockdown, the restrictions we were all facing was having a real impact. And that's then informed how mind responds, both in terms of giving people the information and tools to take care of themselves during this time, the work I've been doing with employers so they know how to support their staff and support their managers to support their staff during this time. Um, and then, you know, what we've been saying to government that they need to do in response to the impact of the pandemic, you, you know, that broad, broad picture. I think in terms of my work, we've been very much focusing on four different groups. So as I said, people who are working on the front line and their specific mental health needs, people who've been working, you know, key workers who've been doing things to keep the country running, but still been having to leave their home a place of safety at this time and, and the impact that will have. And then people who've had to adjust to working from home overnight. And then thinking about people who who've not been working during this time, either because they've been furloughed or um, they've been made redundant. And as you can see, even trying to break people down into those four groups, there's huge variety within that and variance, you know, working from home, if you live alone or in shared housing, or if you're a parent with children who are at home that you're having to homeschool. So, you know, it's, 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 it's been a, a challenging time. And in terms of how mine's then been responding as an organization, you know, we had to go remote with a day's notice. We were making plans to go remote, but we didn't go into the workplace on the Monday thinking as of Tuesday, we won't go in. But after the PM's announcement, we took that decision. So a massive adjustment overnight at a time when people needed us most. So I had to absolutely spend some time stabilizing my team and getting our ways of working in place before I could then think about well, what do we need to do to support others so and that's been you know the challenge of mind more broadly you know how we kind of support our team members many of whom have lived experience of mental health problems which is an absolute strength and in, informs what we do and how we operate but just understanding then how we support people with such a difficult period and then thinking about the well-being support that we provide and how we can now provide that in a digital virtual way and how we can still have that sense of community because that's a real strength of mind in terms of our shared mission. But how do you have that when we're all working remotely from our homes? So yeah, it's been interesting to think about what we say to employers and absolutely doing it ourselves and, and taking care of ourselves. Yeah, completely and I completely understand like you say that everyone everyone's going to be affected and in completely different ways and it's definitely hard that's something that I found difficult as well not being in the office not being around people so much it's kind of harder to ask for support if you need it or to lean on people it's just a completely different way of, of being um, absolutely and so but now we're seeing a lot more organizations kind of returning and it's like the whole new normal um business as usual i suppose and what can charities and companies put into place now to support their employees well-being 
It's a good question. Um, I think for every organization, your internal context will be different and what it will then look like going forward is going to be different. So for me, when giving advice to employers, I think in an unprecedented situation like this, you have to take a principles based approach and that should then inform, you know, how you support, a you know, someone at an individual level, how you as a manager support your team right up to how the organization needs to operate. So for me, the key principles are around staff well-being. So that needs to be the priority. You need to be doing regular check ins with people asking the question, how are you? I was on a panel earlier and someone said their manager has been saying to them, are you safe? Are you well? Are you able? Rather than just the how are you, but getting people to really think about where are you right now? How are you doing? And, and if you need support, what can we put in place? What can you do? So I think well-being has to be the priority. Um, secondly, it's around clarity and that's around processes, systems, We've all seen, you know, you're on, you've got your messages on Outlook, you might be using Teams, you might be using Zoom. There's, there's so many platforms now. So just thinking about how you implement ways of working that support you, either if everybody's still working from home or if it's a bit of a blended approach, I think that's even more challenging. It's, it's, it's more easier when everybody's doing the same, but then the more complexity and, and variance, it's about how you have some very clear, consolidated ways of working that everybody understands. And then also being clear on priorities. I think at the beginning of the pandemic, it was like, okay, park everything else. What, what are the priorities that we need to um, um, respond to currently? And now it's a bit of a mix of what's still business as usual, as you said, what's new stuff and how you kind of square that. So clarity for staff around that is helpful. Third point is around community. As I said, how do you build that sense of community when you're working in a dispersed or blended way and it's really about regular updates two-way dialogue um building moments for social connection um you know kind of organized fun so we have a team at mind that does 11 z's they all down tools and get together for a virtual coffee we do um you know team quizzes um we've been doing virtual picnics with each other so just thinking about how you can as you said have that kind of peer support, social side of work when we're all working in a dispersed or, or, or hybrid way. Um, the final principle is around being reflective. We all had to spring into action, put things in place, mobilize quickly. And going forward, what does the next three months look like? Do those ways of working enable us to work now? Are they helpful? Are they not helpful? So being reflective, seeing it as a test and learn, phase and seeking feedback from staff would be helpful so those are some broad principles to inform what you put in place but I would really emphasize staff voice within this and that really as I said seeking feedback having those mechanisms for people to say what's working for them and what isn't definitely and I like your point about how you're saying you knew someone that's not just saying how are you because I feel like that's such a common question that we ask each other you almost respond without thinking about your answer and you just naturally say fine oh. I'm fine <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so dig a bit deeper yeah yeah I think that's a really good a really good way of actually finding because then you have to think about it yourself as well and so now that so many people have been working from home due to the pandemic how can work from home evolve to serve organizations their staff and the services that they provide that are now more in demand than ever. It's interesting. In the last couple of years, we have seen agile working, flexible working on the rise. Um, 
And it's a real paradox because it does allow people to have a greater work-life balance. It does allow, you know, reduced commute time, um, thinking about um, more autonomy about your working hours. But the paradox is that it can then lead to an always-on culture, inability to switch off, work dominating your home life. And I think sometimes a commute can allow someone that separation between home and work, like you're decompressing obviously people can have a very different commute and it can be far more stressful, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, you know, we can never talk in absolutes, but I think now that we're all been forced to work from home overnight, I think some people would have found that helpful in some ways, unhelpful in others. And it's a, it's a bit of a mixed picture, I guess. So in terms of thinking how working from home can evolve, it's, as I said, really, it's about engaging with staff, understanding what works for them and then looking at what you can put in place at a team level and having a greater understanding and a bit of contracting between people oh I'm working like this so in order for us to collaborate we might need to think about this and 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 so on so within my team we've got a team profiles doc so everyone's been saying how they prefer to communicate what their kind of working pattern is I like to do concentrated work in the afternoon so feel free to disturb me in the afternoon if it's busy you know, contact me. So just trying to have a greater understanding if we're going to work in a more fluid way, well, how do you then make that work across the whole team department and so on? So I think it's about this period may have been a bit of make do, just get get by, let's put stuff in place. Broadly speaking, it might work, but going forward, if it's going to be um, more solidified, I think you need to have those wider team conversations so it works across the board and again there'll always be a bit of friction there'll always be a bit of negotiation and you know nothing stays static so again having that um ongoing dialogue i think it would be helpful definitely and i think it actually is very interesting what you say about the commute because I used to have quite a long commute, but I think you find that you always you almost miss that or, you know, because it is actually a way of just a bit of me time. You're on the train, you've got your headphones in, you, you are just kind of thinking about the day. And then when you get home, it's a completely different environment. Whereas constantly being at home, I think it can, it's positives and negatives, isn't it? And I've seen a lot of um, LinkedIn polls about people, you know, voting in different ways. Would you prefer all at home or all at the office or a bit of both? And I think probably the consensus is a bit of both? Probably, yes. So we've done some work with emergency services, so police, fire, ambulance and, and Coast Guard. We then did an extension of that work with people working in emergency departments. Very busy roles, very challenging. Um, and we developed in collaboration with staff some very helpful tools about how you take care of yourself as you come onto a shift, during a shift and then how you switch off from a shift. And I think some of those tools could be helpful for people if we don't have that physical separation between home and work, or how can we draw a line between the working day and our personal downtime? And it would ask people, the going home checklist would get people to reflect on the day, what some challenges and um, difficulties from the day, is there any learning? And then trying to get people to, to let stuff go. Also get people to reflect on successes and try and hold on to that because that you know builds our resilience and our energy um, and, and so on. So there's some very helpful tools I think that we could all try adopting to help us with that um, delineation between the working day and our, and our personal time. Definitely. And in your opinion, I obviously know it's um, well-being of its employees. I think 
the charity sector and other sectors, you know, public, private, I think it's always going to be a mixed picture. In recent years, we've seen more and more employers understanding that they need to support the mental health of their staff, thinking about what they can put in place. Um, but some organisations are behind on that or, you know, some more, are more in advance. Maybe those that are more in advance in terms of their mental health support for staff would have had a good foundation during this time to build from. But equally, if all of your staff have been struggling with their mental health or have been impacted, that can put challenges to any organisation with anything they've already got in place. So I think it's hard to, 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 to take a definitive on that. But I should imagine in most cases we can all be doing more. We can all do more to take care of ourselves. We can all do more to support our teams and our organisations. And it's having those mechanisms where people can say what's working and what isn't. But I think and sometimes it's good to use appreciative inquiry and really think, well, what is working well, but how can we take that to the next level? I think for me, it's about, as I said, taking a principles-based approach and helping and having that inform what you have in place um, as you go forward over the next couple of months and, and, and so on. Yeah, definitely. you had any any advice for anyone that might be listening that was struggling with their mental health and they didn't know how to raise it in the workplace in terms of if someone's struggling um as we've been encouraging employers and managers to be doing this time it would be it should be on the managers kind of having regular check-ins with people how are you and really you know asking that question and listening for the answer and 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 opening up that conversation if you are struggling and you feel that you want to broach the conversation with your manager um, and again I guess this will be informed by what kind of relationship you have with your manager if it's a positive quite open and 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 so on then that will be easier if you have any concerns if you're in a large organization you might have access to HR or other um, sources of support so think about other people that you could get advice or um, have a conversation with but in terms of speaking to your manager doing some prep beforehand so thinking about how and when you want to um, open up the conversation with them conversations about mental health can always be um, challenging you know until quite recently it's always been quite a taboo and actually workplaces have lagged behind in terms of having open conversations you know once you say it you can't unsay it and I think that has been a barrier to people so thinking through how you're going to approach that conversation and how you can ensure that you know there's no distractions for you that you're focused on the conversation and also for your manager so you know saying to them you know I want to have an important conversation with you and then thinking about what do you need to share and it might just be focusing on you know the impact it's having on your ability to do your job or the things the workplace factors that are having um a contribution to it so just trying to think through what what are the things that you need to share with your manager and then having the conversation seeing their response and what they um you know what you can explore together in terms of um support measures and workplace adjustments at mind for many years we've been advocating the use of wellness action plans so this would be a tool that you can um 
use to have a conversation with your manager. It captures what keeps you well at work, what might cause you to struggle, what are some early warning signs to look out for that you are struggling, and then what are some helpful steps for you to take and how your line manager can support you and, and any helpful steps that they can take. So it's a very helpful framework. It's based on a tool from the health world that someone would develop with their health professional to manage their mental health. And we've adapted it for the workplace because it's a really good framework for having that conversation, but very clear about, you know, what I need to do as an individual, what my manager needs to do. So I'm very happy to share some tools. I'm sure we will be um, following um, this podcast. So there are some tools to help with having that conversation um, as well. So as I said, it can be a proactive tool. So we encourage people at Mind to have them in place for managing their mental health. But if someone is struggling or has had um, time off for poor mental health or has a mental health condition that they that they've been diagnosed and are living with then we absolutely see it as a tool to put in place um, to support someone thank you very much um, do you have a final top tip for us final top tip during this time I think is just regularly checking in with yourself. So at Mind, we do a, a team temperature check at the start of every meeting. So we would just say, you know, give yourself a score out of one to 10. If someone isn't scoring so highly, is there anything that they can do to improve their score? Anything that we can help with? So just using that tool yourself. So just regularly checking in with yourself, where am I at? How am I feeling? And then thinking about what's helpful to do. So I don't know if when you're feeling the pressure, you might experience frustration. I definitely am like that. The anger, it's hard to hold on to my temper. So doing something to calm myself will help with that. If you um, experience a low mood, then doing exercise or something to energize yourself would help with that. If you find that you are kind of worrying about things or ruminating, you know, practicing mindfulness or doing journaling to kind of capture those thoughts and feelings and um, try and challenge any negative thinking that you might be having. So it's just kind of knowing yourself and knowing what is helpful to do if you're not feeling great. So that would be my one top tip, just thinking about where am I at, how am I doing, and what could be helpful if I'm not doing so great. Perfect. And if somebody, if you kind of can't really identify in yourself or you don't know, oh, I don't know what's going to make me feel better, what would you recommend? Like, what would be your go-to? Well, it, it can be very different for different people. So what we do know in terms of what keeps people well and, and, and can help you boost your resilience is um, doing stuff to boost your well-being. So there's the five ways to well-being. So they are about um, taking notice, which again is another way of talking about mindfulness, keep learning, uh, be active, um, social connection, which is about you know reaching out to friends and family. Um, and give is the fifth one. So thinking about volunteering or how you can support others. And I think we saw at the start of the pandemic, such a rise of unity and togetherness and people helping out neighbors. You know, there's real, um, you know, real um, positives from supporting others. So thinking about stuff that you can do to keep yourself well and the things that matter to you and, and the things that give you energy and so on. Um, as I said, the next point is around just having a support system to draw upon. So talking to others, reaching out, asking for help. And then the final bit is around, you know, looking at what coping strategies would be helpful to you. But we, we do know like 
during this time having a routine where you're building in time for exercise, you're creating the right conditions for good sleep, um, you're eating well. So all of those things, taking care of your physical health has huge benefits for your mental health. So those would be some of the you know, tried and tested ways to, to, to maybe um, start thinking through what might work for you. Fabulous. Thank you so much. And I definitely agree. I think it's so nice and it makes you feel very warm inside when you see that other people, it did kind of bring out the best in some people with the caring and having to like do the shopping for your neighbours and just checking in. And I think, especially I found in friendships, you do check in a lot more and you listen more and just everyone's trying a bit harder because we have a bit more time to check in with other people as well. So I think that's quite important. Just like making an effort. I would agree. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, the NHS clap for carers, Joe Wicks and his PE lessons trying to make it easier for working parents. Um, as you said, WhatsApp groups, you, you know, in, in blocks of flats or with neighbours, how we can all help each other. It was just a real protective factor as we went into, you know, the, the biggest disruption we've ever experienced since wartime. Um, but looking at how we can reach out and be there for each other when we're not physically together. Yeah, definitely. I think it's really, I think we will have gained a lot of positives from it. And obviously, like you said, we were kind of thrust into the working from home and making it work. But hopefully, coming out of it, we will remember the importance of looking after ourselves and other people and our teams. And hopefully we can learn how to better look after mental health. Absolutely. As I said, I've worked in this area for many years and often we'll say to employers, oh, that isn't so helpful to people's well-being, but that's how we've always done it. We can't really change how we work. And now this has been a massive disruption, as I said. And now it's like, well, do we just go back to what we did before or can we see this as an opportunity for a reset and think about you know, what has been positive during this time? What do we want to keep hold of? What are some of the things we might need to put some boundaries or ways of working around? Because there have been challenges. We've seen people working huge amounts of overtime. You know, there's, there's things that we need to, to, to um, finesse and make better, but there's definitely an opportunity to really rethink what work and workplaces look like. Fabulous. Thank you so much to Emma for giving so much insight on such an important topic. It was really great to hear firsthand from her how Mind have tackled the COVID-19 crisis and how they've adapted to home working. It sounds like they're doing a really great job in trying to recreate the sense of community that you'd normally have in an office through virtual channels. It's a very difficult time at the moment and as Emma said, the pandemic would have affected everyone in some way. From frontline workers to those on furlough, we've all had to change our day-to-day -day routines and this can be a really difficult adjustment. It's important to remember that you are always doing your best and these are not normal times, but you are getting through them. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you are able to take something away from this chat with Emma. The one thing left to do is to thank our corporate sponsors. So thank you to Giant Squid Audio Lab for sponsoring our podcast kit. To Magda Aksamet for our beautiful website, check it out at charitychat.org.uk. RR Yard for the lovely photography images on our website. And Forest of Fools for playing throughout the show and for playing now. Thank you very much for listening and best wishes. Bye.